0: You're listening to The City Network Podcast. Our mission is to grow and multiply healthy churches in the Treasure Valley and beyond. Head to thecitynetwork.org for more info on our initiatives to catalyze church transformation and church planting. Here's today's podcast. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of The City Network Podcast. The City Network exists to multiply and grow healthy churches. You can find out more about The City Network at thecitynetwork.org. And today I'm really excited uh, to have my new friend, uh, Pastor Stephen Bragg here on the podcast with us. So Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Um, well, the, uh, the long version is uh, I, I went to Boise Bible College graduated from there. And a few months into my ministry after I graduated, I I had a uh, bout with uh, alcohol and drugs, which was a previous condition before I went to college. Stayed clean during college. And that kind of uh, took me out of the ministry for 13 years. And uh, then I found a community church and uh, they started loving on me and helping me. And and for another 13 years, they they kind of helped me back into ministry. And so uh, I believe it was God's reward that, uh, for, that uh, he blessed me uh, to be able to start uh, to go to the Philippines as a missionary uh, after the 13 years of, of being restored. And it's been a big blessing ever since.
0: That's amazing. So, tell, I mean, tell us a little bit about, just that connection. How did you end up in the Philippines, and uh, that's how we were introduced. Is Lord right. willing, I'll be able to go on a trip uh, this sometime in this upcoming year. But yeah. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that connection there, and maybe even those those that first year or the early years that you were in the Philippines doing ministry.
1: Okay. Well, uh, in my restoration, I I married a lady from the Philippines, and that, that's my connection um, and her sister back in, uh, 2005 started praying for a church building there in their little community, a little farming community. And, uh, someone had given me a hundred dollars and, uh, asked me to invest it into the kingdom. I was pretty serious about it and, and prayed a lot about that. And, that $100 when my, when my sister-in-law uh, wanted to build a church, I thought, well, why don't we invest it there? And so I started talking to people, and uh, we took that $100 and raised $3,500 and uh, built a little uh, a cement block uh, church uh, there uh, next to my wife's farm, and uh, 2006 went to the dedication and that was our first church grace chapel church
0: that's amazing i think about stories like that of you know how much you know certain items cost in america you know we kind of have these standards of you need you know this good of lights and audio and video and you know sometimes people feel like that widows might you know that well i don't have much to give and then you look at like thirty five hundred dollars building a church you know or that initial hundred dollars and what a big difference that makes so that that's awesome. What, what are some of the things that, uh, maybe initially when you, you know, went over to the Philippines that you learned and maybe even unlearned about the way that ministry is done in America and you learned about, uh, what, what kingdom work looks like just in another culture?
1: Well, uh, you know, I, I had no missionary training, although when I was in college, I, I interned under, uh, under Bill Putman, who was a church planner. Uh, and then another uh, professor helped me in, in evangelism, personal evangelism. So, but that was eons before I went to the Philippines. And so I, I kind of didn't know what I was doing. I, uh, I just had a lot of prayer about it. And uh, the Lord started bringing people to me. Uh, he brought an evangelist to me, a Filipino evangelist. Um, uh, and we partnered. Uh, and, you know, he had, he had planted 27 churches. In the 27 years he had, been a, he had been a pastor. Of course, Filipino churches, there are a lot different than us. I mean, you know, uh, basically you're in very small communities, 100 to 200 homes. And that most of the homes are bamboo. So if you build a little church building, whether it be bamboo or, or cement block, it's pretty much the center of the whole village. And uh, so anyway, we we started doing that. And the Lord just brought just a lot of good Filipino pastors that heard about what we were doing and uh, and wanted to, wanted to help us along the way.
0: Amazing. And one of the things I... I noticed and really kind of struck me in my conversations with you is just a lot of people who have missionary training, they kind of take the American model and really try and just, you know, force it in to whatever culture they go into. But like you're saying, the Filipino churches look a lot different. And I'm hearing you talk about localized leadership, not centralized with you, that you have all the ideas, but you're finding... <laughs> you know, people to, to lead those churches, equip them. So tell us a little bit about some of those, some of those, you know, what does, you know, when you say plant, the guy planted 27 churches in 27 years, like, what are those, what are those churches look like? Like help, help give people a, a visualization of um, you know, size, what they do Sunday, you know, pro- programming, that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, just to, to help us understand that a little bit better
1: one of the thing one of the things I, uh, two things I wanted to do was one provide a training because uh, these pastors were coming to us from all different do- denominations and we we kind of wanted a centralized uh, you know what do we believe and so we we started that conversation and, and we're continuing that conversation in, in, in today of uh, using the Bible as our as our guide so that's helped fill in a lot of the holes for the different pastors and training and And that sort of thing. But um, uh, one of the things I the other thing is I did not want to build a church around me. Uh, So, you know, they kept, because I was the missionary, they kept wanting me, you can do this, this idea. They they kept wanting me to do all these things. Well, if they came up with the idea, I just kept kicking it back to them. That's a good idea. You should do that. And so my idea was, because I, because when I went there, I was 62 years old. And so, and, and, and the pastor, the, the evangelist that the Lord brought me, he was, he was in his 50s. So uh, we wanted to make sure that the church would sustain itself. And so uh, uh, teaching them the Bible and giving them all the tools to be able to read the Bible and develop sermons and, and that sort of thing was, was key What we did. So the Lord brought the talent and then we just kind of helped provide the biblical training. And 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 then it evolved. I, I I so I did not bring an American church idea with me. Uh, all I brought was the idea. Well, you know, we've got the Bible. We we've, we've got Jesus Christ. We've got the gospel. And uh, you know, these are His churches. I, I'm I'm non-denominational. So uh, these are His churches. So we so we just went with the faith that the Lord would help us build His churches in the remote areas. And that was our guide. And so. Sometimes these churches are house churches, you know, they just start out with a family and then there are two and three families. Uh, And then if it's a large enough community, eventually we'll go in and build a building. Um, So they develop their own worship style. Like one of the things they really like to do is testimonies, uh, which is really an awesome kind of an idea because you really get, you know, you really get to know the people, what they're struggling with and what, what God is blessing them with. And the other thing about Filipinos is they're very lively when they worship. And so, uh, you know, they have their own songs uh, and they and they sing American songs, too. So uh, it it was kind of fun watching them uh, develop this this uh, this Filipino uh, church uh, in a Filipino culture. And it's different with 35 different churches, by the way. I just did another count. We've got seven churches that are about ready to be counted, and so we may be over forty now. But uh, but they're because each of these churches are in different, have a different language that they speak, and they have a different culture, and so the churches even amongst themselves are different. They have different worship styles, different songs that they that they sing. Uh, uh, so it's it it's it's really fun. It's really a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. I uh, appreciate you sharing that. One of the things that I'm hearing you say is just, you know, prayer being a core part, right? Praying, you know, Jesus taught us to pray that the Lord would send workers into the harvest. And then once God gives you those workers, you know, providing that training and then kind of turning it over to them. I think that's the thing that many church leaders have a difficult time with is almost wanting to be the superstar, wanting to be the center, And even if you don't necessarily want that, sometimes the people want that, like you're saying, where they're trying to, they're like, no, you you do everything, right? You're the professional. uh, Yeah, you're the professional, right? You're the missionary. (laughs) We'll leave it to you. We've got to fight against that a little (laughs) bit as church leaders, because otherwise, you know, every church we plant is going to be a replica of us and our ideas, and it's not going to be contextual. And like you're saying, with, you know, these 35 are, you know, over 40 churches now. And that's in the span of 10 years of ministry over there, which is, I mean, that, that, you know, that is multiplication. So that, that's what the city network exists. And that's really why I'm excited to have you on this podcast is to bring some of these ideas, even though American culture, Filipino culture is, is, is different to bring some of these ideas of there's these common threads that are working overseas and uh, I think we could learn a lot from that. So how? let me just ask this question. How do you think that happened? You know, over 40 churches planted in 10 years of ministry. Um, what are some of those key lessons that you would say, like, the, this is how we were able to plant so many churches in that time frame?
1: Uh, I think it's part of the Filipino culture. Uh, and I've noticed it is, is part of a lot of the Asian c- cultures, whether you're talking about Indonesia or China, or um, is that uh, the Asian culture is communal. Uh, there are community people, and so they have a great love for each other. And uh, it, it remarkably, uh, or thank God, he brought me. Filipino pastors, our, our one goal is to plant churches in the remote areas of the Philippines, that so we stick to that one goal. Uh, and sometimes we've had to, you know, push things aside to stick to that one goal. And then when, when pastors know that that's our, that maybe they're frustrated with the work that they've been doing or where they're at, and they, they see that, 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 that we really have a heart for, for the loss to the Filipinos. Uh, they come with that idea. And those are the, those are the ones that we allow, we allow to join us is they just have a heart for the lost. The, for instance, these new seven churches, uh, we have a group of nine people, sometimes more that uh, once or twice a month, they have a, an arduous four hour journey up into the mountains. And they, uh, they carry with them on their backs rice and food and and things like that for the for the for the little communities uh, that they uh, really remote isolated communities in the mountains and they just spread the gospel and uh, so they get to the end of the journey and they'll stay there overnight and then uh, and then they'll head back and there are two different journeys that they take and uh, the the what they're hearing from these people is that no one's ever taught them the gospel before. They, uh, 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 Even though it's a Catholic uh, country, 85% Catholic, even the Catholics haven't been up in there. Uh, so a lot of them are hearing the gospel for the first time. They're just, the people we have just have a huge heart uh, to sacrifice themselves for their fellow Filipinos. And they're so thankful of of the blessings that God gives them. You know, God answers prayers. God, God does great things in their lives. They're not alone. One of the things that uh, is really uh, uh, striking is that when you go into these remote villages, their, their, their hope is gone. They live hopeless lives. And when you bring the gospel and they accept Jesus Christ as their savior, and they start worshiping. Uh, God does Great things in their communities. I've seen crops become good. I've seen water go from bad to good. Uh, you know, marriages are 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 secured and families are reunited. And uh, you know, there's just a great communal uh, blessing that happens because they're worshiping the living God, and He's the one that blesses them. He He's the same God that answers my prayers, and and, and blesses me is now blessing them. And it's, it's, just a, it's just a great, uh, great thing to watch and observe. And, uh, you know, I, I walk around with tears a lot of my eyes when I'm there, just because of the blessings. We had a youth group. Our first youth group was over 250 kids. I just couldn't believe that the fruit of that labor. For three days, I, I was just, I, I just couldn't stop thanking God enough for the, for the fruit of the labor and uh, and how awesome that is i don't know did that answer your question
0: yeah that's that's awesome and uh what a beautiful i mean what a beautiful embodiment of you know that covenant god made with abraham that the blessing he gave to him he would use to bless all the nations of the earth and we see that fulfillment in christ and I Love believe that. we should see that in the fulfillment of every Christian, you know, that yes. the blessings they have are meant to be blessing the community. And, well, I mean, what true work is that of, of reaching truly unreached people groups? Even in a country primarily Catholic, you have still these remote places that are not hearing the gospel, living hopeless lives. And I, I, uh, I think I saw a tweet from David Platt, author of Radical, pastor here, and he said some, something about, you know, it's amazing the sufficiency of the word of God and the spirit of God seems to be good enough in all the other countries of the world where the church is growing. You know, maybe if in America, we could just get back to the sufficiency of the word of God and the spirit of God. And I think that's what you're hitting on there. Uh, one question I think a lot, of, a lot of church leaders might have is I know this idea of leadership development. A lot of people talk about, you know, where's our leadership pipeline? Who's, I mean, you were 62 when you first went over and this idea of, you know, not just passing the baton of one senior pastor to the next, but if we want to be serious about planting more churches and actually multiplying, I just want to ask you a question. Who's leading these churches? Like who, who, who are are the, who are the leaders leading these churches and how did they, how did they get developed over time?
1: The, uh, the leaders are, uh, are are Filipinos that are sometimes leading two, three, four churches. For, for instance, the new seven churches, uh, one of the pastors there has developed that team of, 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 of people that just have a huge heart to share the gospel. In fact, one of the, one of the ladies on his team, one of the main team leaders, if she's traveling on a bus or she's in a market, she just—I mean, she just strikes up a conversation about Jesus. No, no matter who she's talking to, even if she's buying them, buying a bag of rice, she's telling somebody about Jesus Christ. I mean, so he's developed this team, and all of our pastors—we have with churches on two different islands—help um, uh, develop those teams. So what I have done is I've I've brought professionals in. Uh, we have three-day seminars uh, two or three times a, a year, and I'll bring professionals in to teach them uh, hermeneutics or homiletics or uh, uh, teach them the, the, the book of Acts and how, and how God worked through the book of Acts and how it's similar to what they are doing there and you know, to encourage and inspire them. We've had several really good youth leaders uh, come in over the years. Uh, because the Philippines is 65% youth, and so that means 25 age 25 and down is almost 70% of the population. So we're developing those and using those. So, so the youth leaders that come in and help us there have been have been great. I'll tell you uh, just a short story about uh, about Pastor Jojo, and and this is very similar with all of the pastors that that have come to us. But Jojo was a uh, Guadencio Valdez is his name. We call him Pastor Jojo. Everybody goes by nicknames there. He was a he was a leader in the El Shaddai Catholic movement, and uh, he uh, he was uh, the main leader for the for the island that we live on. And so they were uh, untrained um, Catholic. Uh, youth that wanted to serve the Lord and their mission was to go into all the different, all the different communities and share the God and and pray for people. Well, they would also do, do devotionals and things like that. Well, they were sent out like the 70. The only thing they couldn't take any money with them. Uh, They couldn't take any extra clothes. The only thing that they could take with them would be a Bible if they have one, but usually they didn't have one. So they'd meet on Monday and they'd, they'd write down scriptures and then they'd carry those scriptures with them, and develop and develop little messages along the way every week. Well, so many of those guys, they after they, after studying the Bible like that, they they go, wait a minute, that what I what the Bible's teaching is not what I've been taught. And so that was Pastor Jojo, and I was doing a series on on the essentials of Christian faith, and uh, and and he was struggling with this. You know, how do I resolve what I'm learning in the Bible versus uh, what I've been taught. And, and so he came and I, I wasn't teaching him anything new. I was just, he, I, it was a big confirmation to him uh, that what he had learned in the Bible was, was really valid. And he's our strongest pastor. Uh, he's the one now leading these seven churches. And before that he planted three churches that are very substantial now uh, that he's pulling people out of. And uh, he, he, he knows the word. We've had people come from all different kinds of backgrounds like that. Um, they've got little holes in their theology, but basically they understand the Bible. And so my idea is just to help fill in the holes of their biblical understanding. And God raises them up. God calls them, and you and you can see that calling in them. You can see the power of what they do. That you know they just. Whatever they, whatever they task themselves to do has great success. They're called by God. And uh, I think that's the, that's the big success is uh, the leaders. They're called by God. We give them the tools. We give them the, the encouragement. Uh, we With 30, 35, 40 churches, we, we're meeting together two, three times a year and, and uh, fellowship together and all, all different other kinds of meetings on the different islands. And, so where there's uh, where there there's great strength and great excitement and great enthusiasm to bring more churches in and more churches. and it's just that's just an awesome thing. Those are our pastors uh, called by God, and we just equip them and encourage them and uh, and send them out. and God does the rest.
0: That's amazing. Just trusting that calling, trusting the the character and the development, I think maybe a problem you know, so many church leaders get into is they value competency, you know, professional type skills, marketplace type skills. And they're not necessarily looking for just the, do they know scripture? Do they committed to God? Are they faithful followers and trusting that God's going to fill the gap and, uh, and God's going to raise them up. I think that's huge. And, you know, you look at scripture, scripture is full of people that w- weren't even close to being ready to do the things God called them to do. And God called them anyways. And, and I think if we, if we kind of modeled our ministry leadership pipelines, a little bit less around kind of the, kind of the, you know, CEO who, you know, type business skills. And I looked a little bit more of those things, I think we probably see a lot more leaders who are already around us in our churches today.
1: Well, who did Jesus call? You know, he didn't call the, the educated in the, and the people of great influence. He, he called fishermen. Yeah. You know, and uh, he used them to do great things. I think that would be uh, maybe one of the, one of the things I would say then the difference between the American church and the, and the Filipino church, or maybe the foreign church is that we, we, uh, tend to uh, place a great importance on education. Uh, where And where I, I see the great importance is on people called by God, men of God, the Bible calls them, and even calls us. Uh, Paul said in Timothy, you know, that he equips us to be men of God and men with a heart and a passion and a calling for God. And, and he's the one that uh, equips God's the one equips. God's the one who empowers. God's the one who blesses. There's nothing wrong with education. Uh, we need education, but um, and I think maybe the most important thing for me is recognizing people that are called by God, and you can, you can see it right away, uh, and who is and who isn't, and just and then just you know giving them the tools to do what they do. So a lot of the ch- churches we are in now, uh, we have a lot of people in there that. Uh, are called by God and they're looking for places to be served planting new churches in remote areas is our DNA. And so, uh, you know, if that's, if that, if that's what you want to do, if you want to be a a multiplying church, uh, then that needs to become part of your DNA, your leadership. And and all of that, you know, is that we're going to multiply and, and, uh, and, and you come up with a plan and a method to do that, but you need good people in key places to do that. It's not necessary always the PhD and the, and the masters that do that. You, you look for good people called by God, you know, to be able to fill those slots. I think that's important.
0: And I wonder how much, you know, people have read, you know, the right textbooks or the right business books but they haven't read the scriptures and that, that's what i'm hearing as a common thread is you know looking for people who are committed to the word of god and that's really where god's spirit is going to speak to them inform them and even cultivate that calling is looking for deeply formed disciples not necessarily you know the most uh, on the x you know you know the disciples being those ordinary untrained men right although they were very trained by Jesus himself.
1: Yeah, and, and it, Paul was highly educated so.
0: Right, you know. right. So it's not that God doesn't use God doesn't use people, but it's it's more that there's a, if we if we only have a cookie cutter idea in our mind of you know, this is the only kind of leader that, that could lead a church or that could lead a ministry or that could lead a a new small group or whatever, we're going to be limiting someone's calling. We're going to be the ones standing in the way of someone's calling as opposed to opening the door and and freeing them up. So I appreciate that insight for sure. What are some other uh, insights that you would say, you know, the American church could learn from uh, the Philippines and uh, could learn from, from your experience leading over there? And even now that you're back in the States primarily, multiplication is still happening. Churches are still growing. So what are you know that would be i'm a younger pastor that would be my hope is one day you know to watch and see you know the ministries that i was able to be a part of to continue to be you know carried on so you know what are some of those insights you would share with with pastors and church leaders
1: i uh uh I, i don't want to be critical but i i see the American church as a business model. Uh, they, they, it, it's all about, you know, uh, repeating good programs. If this program works and you repeat it, you duplicate it, you hire pastors and fire pastors. And um, it's, it's more of a business model because that's our culture. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of power in going back to a biblical model where it's about men called by god it's about men and women called by god youth called by god and recognizing those people and 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 using them there's a i think there's a you know there was no business model in the early church uh they were just they're just you know the the first ones that were saved i mean you know they met every single day they were so excited and and uh you know helping uh, people without food and that kind of thing just become was just kind of a natural thing and so uh, i think maybe the business model of the church um, you can develop great uh, congregations and uh and develop a lot of wealth and, and do some pretty neat ministries by it uh, i don't know i just i just kind of feel like in some churches the business model kind of acts out the power of God, the, uh, the 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 faith, the inspirational faith of you know standing in the gap and having God as your guide, having God as your strength, uh, relying on Him to get the job done, not on yourself. Uh, you know, with a daily prayer life that that you know just unleashes God in your life, and then wait for that to happen. That that's my prayer. Uh, is especially in the Philippines. I need that I've kind of gotten away from it a little bit, but I'm trying to get back to it. Is it's that daily prayer of, okay, Lord, what's what's on the agenda today, and uh, and letting Him lead, and letting Him guide, and uh, humble before Him on a daily basis, and then just seeing Him do awesome, great, wondrous things that are all about God rather than all about a church name or brandy. Or those kinds of things; um, those can be great aids. But I just, I just think the American church, in, in general, as a rule, needs to get back to that personal faith. And it's God's church; it's His church; it's His responsibility. We have the pleasure uh, and, and the privilege to be able to work for Him. It's all about Him. It can't be about us. And when it becomes about us, then and we put the cart before the horse, I think. And so it's God's church, and we're just God's ministers. And we just need to rely on him to do the job. I mean, it wasn't me that built that builds these churches there. I mean, he's just He's just called a unique, and gifted a unique bunch of people, and he's calling more all the time. We're just developing these young leaders all the time. We've got one that's going through, just finished a course at Johnson University online. We've got two more in the. In the wings to give them a good fundamental uh, biblical uh, uh, foundation. And these are young people. These are kids that have, I call kids, uh, you know, that have just graduated from college with teaching degrees. They're just talented young people, but they have a heart to serve the Lord. Uh, you know, they worked hard for four or five years to get this teaching certificate and whatever, and are probably our most powerful leader like that uh, Judy Grace she she, uh, graduated with a secondary education degree in in math and here she is here she is one of our strongest leaders in our churches and it's just an amazing thing so just getting back to the fundamentals faith prayer it's not about us it's about God it's his church and we just uh, need to be so appreciative of the gift Of of, uh, and the privilege that he's allowed us to serve him. And then try to do that as best we can
0: with the grace that he gives us. For sure. Well, that's what I, one of the things I love when, you know, I've chatted with you about the Philippines is that tremendous amount of youth in the culture. And uh, the fact that, you know, the ministry model that you guys are doing is, is you don't wait until people are in their 40s before they'll be a pa- ordained as a pastor. You know, it's, it's they're able to lead young. And I think that uh, that's something that we could learn as well is, you know, you look through scripture and there's so many young leaders and uh, God uses them to influence. And, and even that idea of pride in America almost as a cultural value, we're almost taught that pride is a good thing in our culture. And, uh, we get so results oriented brand church, brand name oriented, all of that sort of stuff. And we try and take the glory so often. And it just made me think of Daniel. I was reading through Daniel recently and, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, he, you know, he, uh, digresses to a wild animal pretty soon when, when he displays pride. And uh, must must be humbled. You know, I always say, either humble yourself or be humiliated. It's kind of how it. Be goes. humbled.
1: <laughs> be humbled. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's right. Yeah. And uh, and I think, you know, we just got to take God at His word. With the Lord exalts those who humble themselves before Him, and regardless of education, regardless of you know natural talents and giftings. That God is going to call people, He's going to raise them up, and we just really are unleashing, uh, unleashing them, and and you know helping equip and train them for ministry, and and that's really how we see see multiplication. And so that's I mean, Ephesians it's not,
1: four, right? That he uh, uh, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, that's
0: right? For the
1: work of ministry to the glory of God,
0: yeah. that's right. So I mean, it's all simple. It's all simple when we talk about it here, but. And it's good for people to, to hear like this is happening. God's God's spirit is moving. Um, the church is much larger than just your local church that you lead, you know, and, and, and it's good for people to be connected to the global church and learn in, in humility. I think that would be, you know, a takeaway I would encourage any church leader, any American church leader, especially listening to this. To learn in humility from the global church, from what the insights you're sharing from the church in the Philippines and elsewhere as well, and uh, to try to try some of this stuff, right? To you know, to to try uh, some of these lessons and see what God does with them. Well, I know you've created some resources as well. Uh, I think a couple books. You want to just share about just what those are about, where people can find that kind of uh, some of those resources if people are interested in connecting with you uh more than this
1: well i've written two books i'm i'm on the third now the the first book was that journey of of falling from the ministry and being restored and that book is called get up god is not finished with you and you can find it anywhere uh amazon or anywhere and then the second book uh, that i wrote is about that ministry in the philippines how it, it unfolds and it's called the enemy is roaring and God is blessing. You know, when we go into these communities. Uh, there's a reason why the church is not there. Uh, there are great forces. There are great spiritual forces. There are, there are uh, you know, rebel armies, uh, 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 dangers uh, uh, of all different kinds. I've nearly had my head cut off uh, once and just, you know, hair raising experiences like that. And, So that book is called The Enemy is Roaring and God is Blessing. And how God, we rely on God to go, okay, these strongholds are there. And then just watch God tear those strongholds down. And sometimes he uses those strongholds. A lot, many times he uses those strongholds to actually help us plant the church and make this church stronger. Uh, We've seen him actually embarrass people or, or just remove them. Uh, out of the way, so that his church can be established. Uh, I think that's the power of unleashing God. Is that these are His churches? We we go in His name with His gospel, uh, planting His churches. And so, you know, uh, if you're going to get in the way of God's church, you're, you're not getting in my way. You're you're getting in God's way. And so that that is that book. The enemy is roaring, and God is blessing. How He turns a lot of these experiences around it's kind of fun and then this third book that i'm writing now is similar it's called acts a a modern missionary's journey so many times when i tell the stories people go wow it sounds like sounds like the book of acts because a lot of the experiences are very similar and so um, i'm having fun writing that one right now so we'll see how that goes
0: that's awesome. Well, I uh I've enjoyed our conversation. It's gotten me excited. I'm hoping to be able to join, come over and help encourage some of those young leaders, Lord willing, 2022 COVID dependent. We'll see how uh how all of that goes. So people can be praying for, you know, borders to open and for, yes. you know, more of those those people. Any other ways that people can be praying for the church in the Philippines?
1: Uh Just praying for us in general uh, that we would, uh, that God would continue to open doors and bring us leaders. That's very important Um, because we're growing so fast. We have a continuing, a continuous need uh, to develop more resources, more financial resources, Um, whether that be a a church that wants to put us on, uh, put us on their, on their, um, Uh, missions, uh, outreach or individuals, but we're mostly individually supported. So we need to, we need to find more of that, but, um, and then just, just general prayer. You're welcome to contact me anytime. Um, yeah. Prayer is so important. Uh, you know, uh, it's more important than the finances. It's more important than the talents because prayer unlocks God. And then he unlocks all of those resources that we need. And so just a lot of prayer, I think, would be the main thing. The prayer that the, that the Filipino church uh, that we're developing out there continues to grow. All of the Filipino churches, uh, that they continue to grow. The Philippines are hungry for God. It's a third world country. Well, now they've classified it as an emerging third world country. So it's uh, very poor. Uh, in these places that we go to, it's 30% uh, amount of the children are 30% malnourished and so the hope of the gospel and the blessing of god is uh is sought out by them uh, and so it, it's growing it's just growing really fast
0: awesome well thanks for joining us here today pastor stephen bragg make sure you check out his uh he's got those books out you can you can find him on social media and uh yeah just contact him if you want to get connected more with what god is doing in the philippines this is Uh, This has been a great conversation. I hope that everyone will take away some of these lessons, implement them. But that's a wrap for this episode of the City Network podcast. Thanks for listening to the City Network podcast. If you have any comments or questions, join the discussion on our Facebook group at thecitynetwork.org. Or sign up at the website to subscribe to updates from our blog and podcast.